when we actually care about others, focus on loving them in a way that brings out compassion because we see the needs that they have. And when you mix caring for someone and seeing their needs, then you become compassionate. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their business after a long career as an employed professional. We believe you should be able to do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Kahn. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with leadership development coach, Craig Lomax. In today's episode, you'll learn why Craig believes that caring for our clients is good for our business. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about your business? How would membership in a caring collaborative community help you work toward your goals faster with fewer costly mistakes? A community where quality relationships are fostered through live events and our own private communication platform where accountability partners are part of the structure and where templates, guides, tools, and resources are provided. A community dedicated to empowering consultants who are determined to build their businesses following long careers as high-achieving employees. If you're committed to getting your consulting, coaching, or small business to grow on your own terms so that you can deliver great results to your ideal clients while supporting the lifestyle you want and you don't want to do it alone, Consider applying to become a member of the Smashing the Plateau community. Want to know if belonging to a community is right for you? Schedule 15 minutes with me to find out. Go to smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. Now let's welcome Craig Lomax. Craig is a leadership development coach. Prior to his career as a coach, he co-founded and directed Rock and Water, an adventure camp in California for 30 years. He and his wife of over 30 years have three adult children and one smart dog. In his spare time, he's a mental health advocate and suicide prevention trainer. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. I'd love to hear about the one smart dog. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, he's smart enough to like my wife a whole lot more than he likes me. So he's a, he's kind of a one owner dog. And, um, He's the kind of dog, he's an English shepherd and they, they, they aren't show dogs. So they, they stayed true to their breed. They stay really, really smart and with a lot of, you know, other good benefits, but they, they make decisions on their own. They're one of those dogs that just makes their own choices. So he makes his own choices. And, um, even though he actually is well-trained, he still thinks about it for a second before he does it. Like, okay, what do I want to do? Well, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. All right, I'll do it. So he's he's got that kind of programmed thing to it. The other day I was out on a, on a walk with him and he went off after something, tracking something, and uh, he ended up treeing a mountain lion. Oh my God. Yeah. So I got down to where he was at. He was on our property and uh, got down, he's barking at something up the tree and I look up the tree and there's this huge cat up in this pine tree. And I was like, wow, okay. I think it's time for us to go. And he was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I do this. I treat them sometimes and they just sit up there. So let's go. I'm fine with that. Oh, I love it. So what <laughs> yeah. lessons can we learn from from your dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, if I was going to learn lessons from my dog, maybe I should start doing that. 
Yeah. I think that he doesn't care very much what I think, but he is willing to serve me. You know, he is willing to take care of me. He is willing to, when he sees that there's a way he can help me, he's interested. He wants to do that. He wants to participate, but he doesn't, doesn't really care what I, what I think or feel. He's looking at what I actually need, what I, what I want. I think that's often sometimes would be healthy for me to do is to stop feeling about how much I'm liked by somebody or what they're thinking about me and just really just focus on, hey, how can I really be helpful to this person? Well, it sounds to me, from what I know about you and your career, it sounds to me like you are doing that. Because you made a big transition in your career not too long ago, which has led you to coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm loving it. I think it's kind of what I came from in my other career too. Recently, I was, I did an exercise where I sat down and was like, okay, I really need to reconnect to my passions for coaching, for, for doing what I'm doing in my other career that I was in running this youth camp, I had a very clear mission and I had a group of people around me who were, you know, shared the same core values and were like excited about the same mission. And so there was no reminder needed. We were always part of a momentum that was, was all about purpose and meaning. In my coaching career, I've spent a lot of time and energy focusing on the art of coaching and really trying to refine that and, and just, become a great coach and, and understanding all these somewhat new concepts uh, for me, or, or at least not concepts, but new way of thinking, right? A new new way of interacting. And I think I've been distracted from the heart of coaching, even though when I'm on a call with someone, I think I'm connected, I think I'm there. But in my business activities, I'm going through them more mechanically and less passionately. So anyway, I did this exercise the other day where I, I'm not a poet, but I, I wrote this, this poem that was connecting, connecting my two different careers, this, you know, running this youth camp and, and how I worked with people there and how I developed people there and how I developed people through my coaching and seeing how well aligned they are, how similar, how, how much the same they are. It was really helpful to me. Again, even though I know that it was, it was really fun to watch it in words and to step myself through the emotions of those things. So. Craig, um, you know, going back to your earlier point about a new way of interacting, what is the way of interacting and how is that new? Embarrassingly enough, for the listeners who understand the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram eight, right? I'm very, very proactive, very assertive, very, you know, the eight really has a hard time not controlling their environment, often to do good things, but they want to control things. They want to see it there and they, and they want to be, they want to present themselves as strong. And although I have some hesitancies in admitting that, that I'm that guy, I am that guy. And for decades, I was very helpful to a lot of people in their development, but I did it from without much of a filter on that that approach. So I I did have wisdom and insight to bring to the people I was helping to develop. And I did that in a way that was assertive and proactive and intentional. And, And it comes out in the form of advice giving and problem solving. And not asking very many questions, not not coming from a, a perspective of curiosity. 
And that was a big shift for me and my coaching to be able to not look at their problem as the focal point of the conversation, but to put the problem, their challenge, their goals, whatever it is, to put that in my peripheral and understand it enough to be really curious about how my client's thinking about those, how my client is fe- feeling about those goals and those problems, and those that, that issue. And that was a big leap. The first few times people had asked me to coach them, and I understood that coaching was like, you know, this wise guru guy on top of the hill only ask questions. And it's kind of connected to that. And, and uh, so I would, okay, I'm going to ask questions and that's how I'm going to do this. Right. And I would try to ask these questions and all I could do was ask questions that was going to lead my, the client to the answer that I knew in my head they should be at. Right. (laughs) They were just, they're just manipulative tools to get them to, to want what I want them to want, you know, because that's what they need. So really fun when I started learning how to be curious in a way that had an open hand to the results and the outcomes and was respecting my the wisdom, the insight, the general just capabilities of my clients and ask and then trying to tap into that. How can I get them to understand how much potential they have here to figure this out, to arrive at this, to achieve this? How can I help them see that in an honest way that helps them move forward? And so, yeah, that's what I, how I'd explain that. So have you been surprised by some of the answers you've gotten since you've shifted oh, yeah. to being much more open in the way you question people? Yeah. Yeah, David, I've I've figured out that other people are a whole lot smarter than I've been giving them credit for. (laughs) Because I, you know, I'm now I'm beginning to listen to them in a whole new way, right? And I'm looking for that wisdom. I'm interested in that wisdom. And my mind isn't just focused on, okay, what, you know, what smart thing have I got to offer here? No, that's I'm actually those smart things are popping up and I'm putting them, I'm putting them in my backpack. You know, I'm putting them in my back pocket, letting them sit there and go, okay, no, I know what I have, but what do they have? And oh, now when I do that and I and I find the ways to open those doors to let out their wisdom, their insight, I'm like, oh, I'm now I'm taking notes, right? And I'm learning and I'm growing from this person that maybe years ago I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have expected to be teaching me much. Yeah. So putting yourself in a position where you're primed by curiosity and you're in a position where your clients can teach you, how might that impact your own sense of security and your own pride, particularly given your long history of being a really successful camp director? Yeah, I think that it's really interesting that you bring up insecurities and pride because I think that those are really key to uh, being free of those is a huge part of being successful at anything and, and having fulfillment in anything. And so, yeah, for me, I have a lot in, and how that translates out. Well, the way I see that pride and insecurities come about is when we are actually measuring our own value based on the performance of other people. So if we measure our value 
if we're measuring our performance compared to somebody else and we're doing better and then we take we take that outcome we that the results of those measurements and we say oh i am performing better this per- than this person therefore i am more valuable than they are then that's how i define pride this unhealthy pride this arrogance which only makes me feel good inside really when i get to that point i feel great i get rewarded for doing that measurement for doing the performance doing the measurement and valuing myself that way and i go through my day skipping happy woohoo it's all good i'm i'm on top of the world not even knowing why most of the time not even understanding that the reason i feel good is because i beat somebody else at something in some way or i beat the general population most of them I'm mostly smarter, for example, than most of the world. So if I if I can convince myself of that and that's why I value myself, then I'm really just enjoying my day or my life because I think I'm better than others. And that has complicated issues to it. It it robs us of real value and real fulfillment. And we can talk about that, but you know, on the other side you talked about insecurities. Well, the thing is, I'm not going to always be able to feel good based on that, based on measuring my value by measuring the performance of other people against myself. I'm going to lose that game sometimes. I'm going to lose that game and end up not winning, feeling less than others, and that's insecurity. Most people put those at two ends of a spectrum. Oh, there's pride and there's insecurity. I put them all in a pit together. <laughs> this pit that most of us at l- spend at least part of our day, if not the majority of our days in our lives, mecking around in this, this kind of two-sided pit where we're climbing up out of one side, trying to prove ourselves, you know, coming up out of insecurity, trying to prove ourselves, winning, feeling that we're more value than somebody else in some little way, and then falling over into the other side of the pit where we're proud of ourselves and we think that we're the greatest thing. And we're going back and forth between two chambers of a pit. So, yeah, I didn't give you examples of how I did that because maybe I don't want to tell you about how arrogant I am and, you know, Um, all all those those ways. But Well, if you're willing to share, I'd love to hear it. And I'd also love to hear how you moved away from those particular mental states. Yeah. So how that that pegs me. All right. So my family and friends are going to love, are going to love this because they all know the truth about this, that I really do think that I have, you know, uh, wisdom to offer the world, that I'm smart, that I'm better than most people at problem solving and, you know, things of that nature. I love the fact that I can help people grow and develop faster than even professionals, let alone the, the common, the common man, right? So that's my pride talking. That's when I let that out, that monster out, that's who I am. You know, that's, that's what is driving me and that's what I'm looking for. And I'm wanting to feed that monster all the time. I want praise. I want, I want people to tell me those things, man, you are so smart. Wow. You thought of, this is Craig, this is brilliant. I love those words. Those words make me feel really good. Um, Not because I've accomplished something good, Half the time, half the time, it's because I love those words because ah, you just separated me. I call them, I call these people rulers, right? People I respect 
And some, for some reason, maybe they're a professor, maybe they're, you know, a boss, maybe it's just someone who's really attractive of the opposite gender. These are rulers who they're looking out over the masses and then they see us and they see our head rise above the crowd and they point at us and they say, hey, you over there, wow, look at you. And we go, you noticed, you noticed that I am truly above the rest of the crowd. In some way, you saw me. And now I didn't have to go around and compare myself to all these other folks. I didn't have to do that. All I had to do was look to you and you have decades maybe of doing this. So now I just compared myself to thousands of people maybe. And so it's, you know, feeling my God pride. So, yeah, I think that I mean, we could, I have other areas of pride, but I think in related to coaching, I think that's, that's really where I can get stuck, you know, and, and where it's going to hurt my performance, right? When I'm going to, when I'm being with a client and I really want my client, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm feeling that passion inside of me that really wants my client to recognize how smart I am, right? I want them to see how, what a great question I'm going to ask them next or how well I navigated this conversation to make a big difference and and not in a way that they appreciate, just simply appreciate that I'm giving them my skills, but that they admire me in some way above the rest of humanity. That's what I, 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 if I get caught on that, I get focused on my performance and I get distracted from the real thing, which is how can I help this client today, right now, and forget about myself? And, and you're asking about how to how to move up out of this. That's the trick. That's the trick. It's pretty much impossible when we try to do what we really, we try not to do what we really, really want inside of us. It's, it's almost impossible, right? We can beat our head against the wall and say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And we're still, don't think it, don't think it, don't think it, don't think it. We can say that a thousand times. It doesn't matter. As soon as we stop saying, don't think it, we're going to start thinking it. The trick is to turn our back on it completely. And to do that, we've got to have something else we're looking at. And the something else we're looking at is caring about other people. When we actually care about others, focus on loving them in a way that brings out compassion because we see the needs that they have. And when you mix caring for someone and seeing their needs, then you become compassionate. And when you do that, if you act upon that, we call it service, right? You're doing something. And then that leads inevitably, to more and more responsibilities. And if you're faithful with those and you continue to grow in your skills and, and, and in your ability to take on more and more responsibility, you actually become respected. And at the same time, and with that respect, you have influence. And if you look at it a little differently, along with respect, you also have relevancy. As you look back and see, wow, look, I was doing something for somebody else and it worked. And I made an impact on the world and it was good. And, and aside from pride, aside from those other things, we, we feel relevant. We feel like we've made a difference and an impact on the world. And that, I believe, is legitimate reason to feel good. You know, I think that's a great reason to feel good. And, I, you know, 
I can turn around and destroy that in a few seconds or diminish it in a few seconds by saying, okay, well, what's David been doing lately? Like, I just knocked this thing out over the last couple of months because I really cared about these people and I did, you know, this major impact. Hmm, David, let's talk about what you've been doing. Have you, have you been making great impacts? And if I'm measuring my value based on David's performance, now, now I've just thrown at least part of that relevancy away, that, those feelings of fulfillment and traded them off for pride. And now I'm focused on performance. I'm focused on these other things in my next move. Trying, okay, how can I get beat David? How can I have a podcast that's better than David's? How could I, how could I be better at communicating than David? If I can do that, mm, I'm really going to feel good about myself. And then you're back in the pit. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't take much, at least not for me. Only a few seconds. So a little compassion goes a long way. Yeah. Especially when we let it carry off into action right? We can be compassionate and still go back to, well, I am compassionate about this person, but mm, I am more interested in, you know, feeding my pride and, you know, in whatever way, right? For some people, it's, I need to make, one of the ways that they're measuring themselves is with money or things, right? Or career titles, you know, or political relationships. And I'm not just talking about politics when I say that but relationships that make you feel of value uh, because they're important people somehow. So there's lots of different ways. Well, isn't, isn't that something that we're, we're programmed to feel by our culture? Well, I think there's all kinds of different primitive survival instincts that we have, you know? And again, talking from kind of an Enneagram perspective, yes, yeah, some of us are really survival-wise, we're going to really focus on our own our self-preservation. Some of us are going to really focus our survival on a one-on-one relationships and others are going to be more mindful of a larger group, right? And being connected to that larger group. And so some of us have, are, are stronger in one of those than the, the theory is all of us are stronger in at least one of those, right? And the other ones have, are very behind us, but they're all, they're all instincts. Uh, yeah. I think it's natural. I think it's, it doesn't mean that it's unhealthy when we're when we're over over focused on one of them, right? If I'm over focused on self preservation and just taking care of my personal needs and making sure I have the tools and things within my power to do things, and I'm not and I'm not connecting with others, well, I'm out of balance, and I'm going to reap the results of that. And if I'm really just super political and like, wow, I got to be connected to the group and I got to be a part of this. And if that's my primary thing, then I'm going to be weak as well. Craig, if, if there is one piece of advice that you could give someone like yourself who is making a transition from a long, successful career in an organizational setting to going out on her or his own as a consultant coach or someone in an advisory role... And you want to really have have impact in a positive way. What piece of advice would you offer? Yeah, David, I, I, I think the most important one is what I've said is caring. And, you know, people say, listeners might be thinking right now, well, that goes without saying. I don't think it does. I don't think it actually does go without saying. I think the level of caring I'm talking about is where you make all of your decisions based on that. You don't forget about the other things that you need and that need to be a part of it. You're mindful of those. But if you 
focus on caring about the people that you, it'll help you decide where you want to go with what you want to do. It will help you understand and motivate you to get really good at whatever you're doing. And it will, it'll wake you up in the morning and help you get your feet on the ground uh, day after day. And it's, it's also going to hold you accountable to being ethical and doing the right thing day to day, where it gets really tempting if you forget about that motive. If that motive isn't primary, then it's like, well, yeah, this isn't the best, but it's gonna, I'm going to make a lot more money this way. It may be not the best for my client, but it's okay for my client, and I'm going to make a whole lot more money. Those kind of questions seem reasonable ones to to balance in a in a from a normal perspective, and it, and they don't throw out the concept of caring. But when you put caring first, then the answer is clear. Well, absolutely not. It doesn't matter how much more money I'm going to make, unless I turn to my client and say, "Well, this would be better for you, but I'd rather have this because I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars more." Right. The, and the client goes, hey, let's do, you know, let's cooperate on this. Let's do that. I mean, maybe there's a way there, but. Uh, you know what? I've yet to meet a service provider who has tried that long. <laughs> yeah. Because the answer is <laughs> usually pretty obvious, right? It's like, oh, well, that's thanks for sharing that you actually, you know, think that way. But yeah, I'd like to have the better product. I'd like to have what's better for me because that's your job and that's what I'm paying you for. So yeah, give me that. So, you know, what's interesting, David is that some people may, some of our listeners might be going, well, wait a second, that's really great, Craig, but I don't really care that much. Like, I'm not into like helping people like that. I think that's for some people. And I think that's really fair and honest way of thinking. I think that's all of us at some point. And I think there is a way to, to adjust that. And that adjustment is with gratitude. And I know that's a, it's become a popular word for good reason. It can be helpful in many different ways. I'm talking about a specific kind of gratitude that says, I'm grateful. I'm not just grateful that I that the mayonnaise is on the table. I'm grateful for the hands of the person who put the mayonnaise on the table. For not just the hands, I'm actually grateful for the heart behind the hands that put the mayonnaise on the table. Even though I'm in this restaurant, right? And this person doesn't even know me. And I don't know the owner of this restaurant. I can actually connect and say, wow, you know what? The owner of this restaurant created a system where I could have mayonnaise on my table. I'm thinking he actually cares about me. I'm believing that he cares about me. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that heart. And the waitress, I think she actually cares for me too. Unless she's been really clear that she doesn't, right? I'm going to take that and say, okay, I'll take that. When I'm driving across a bridge, I can actually have that same perspective of the people who built the bridge, you know, 130 years ago. And that can help, that help changes me as a person where I become more capable. The resulting impact is as I receive that love, I let that love come into me. That's what I see gratitude as, is being receptive of the love that was behind the gift and when I do that, I, it opens up capacity in me to care about other people. So I guess that would be my advice. Be grateful and let that take the natural course of it, of you becoming more and more compassionate about other people. And on, on that note, which I think is a great way to end this discussion, I'm grateful that you have come on the show. I think this has been a really thoughtful and thought-provoking discussion about what it takes to build a caring practice 
as someone in a helping role, whether it's a coach, consultant, or some other professional practice. If someone wants to go deeper with anything we've shared today or access any resources you might have or get in touch with you, where would be the best place to go? Yeah, uh, Craig at craiglomax.com is an easy way to do it. You, you can find me on, on LinkedIn, but uh, Craig at Craig Lomax works good. Sounds great. Well, Craig, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. Um, share your insights and, and again, have a really thought-provoking discussion. My guest today has been leadership development coach, Craig Lomax. Thank you, Craig, for joining us. Thanks, David. It's been great. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Craig Lomax, we learned why Craig believes caring for our clients is good for our business. Are you building a community? Check out Circle, the all-in-one community platform for creators and brands. Bring together engaging discussions, members, live streams, chat, events, and memberships, all in one place, all under your own brand. Circle is the platform we use in the Smashing the Plateau community. I love the way Circle puts your people, discussions, and content all in one place. Get a free 14-day trial of Circle at smashingtheplateau.com slash circle. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash circle. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.